0: Hello out there and welcome back to the GamecockScoop.com podcast, the official podcast of GamecockScoop.com on Rivals. I'm <coughs> Ooh. I'm sick. Um, and so sorry if you hear like little coughs or snipples or whatever. Kind of battling that. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna power through it anyway. Um, I'm Caleb, joined by Perry and Pauline. I think Alan's also gonna come on here in a little bit. Um, so sorry if the format feels a little disorganized. We're just trying to get everyone's take here at the end of the season, last game of the season, um, as South Carolina fell 45 to 38 um, to Notre Dame in the Gator Bowl on Friday, which seems like an eternity ago now, um, but was just five days ago. Um, before we get too deep into the bowl game, I did want to give you some quick team updates. Um, we're we're getting kind of daily um updates on people that are moving on to the nfl the portal people that are coming back all that sort of thing perhaps the uh, the two biggest returners thus far since the bowl game um to carry and joiner uh had this really heartfelt um video that he released on social media to his daughter uh, about being like the kind of father that he you know wants to be and the kind of role model model he wants to be and all of that um, and basically said at the end, with all that being said, he's coming back for his final year of eligibility at South Carolina, uh, which is a big boost to that wide receiver room who is missing or will will be missing, um, I believe, four of the seven like top contributors from, from last year or from this past year. Um, we still don't know on Antoine Wells. Uh, we do know Xavier Leg- Leggett's coming back. We do know Marion Brown's coming back. And now we know to Joyner is coming back. Um, the other returner is O-lineman Jalen Nichols. He announced yesterday he plans to return. Um, along the O-line, we know that two, uh, Javon Gwynn and Eric Douglas, are both declaring for the NFL draft, which seems probably like the right move for those guys. Um, Jalen Brooks, wide receiver Jalen Brooks, is also going to the NFL. Um, that may seem a Little premature to some of you out there. Um, we've kind of heard that there's uh kind of several factors going into that. Um, not gonna like air everyone's um stuff or whatever. Um, but anyway, it, it, it was the move that made the most sense for him. And then a couple of portal guys, um, re- really all kind of reserve people that um aren't a huge surprise. Rashad Amos, reserve running back, who really didn't even get. Um, a whole lot of play in the bowl game when the running back room was very very thin. Uh, so riding on the wall there a little bit. Um, Hot Rod Fenton, who is a reserve edge, again didn't get a whole lot of play in a scenario where you would think he kind of would if he was going to have an opportunity next year. Um, and then long snapper Matthew Bailey, who I don't yeah I don't know. I'm, I'm sure the portal is used is used for long snappers. I mean that's an important position so. Um, and then, yeah, like I said, we're still waiting on a few more, um, waiting on decisions from Jordan Birch, Spencer Radler, and Antoine Wells, and we will keep you posted as soon as those guys kind of go public with it. Um, I won't speculate too much on those, but I don't think any of the three are a hundred percent at the moment in either direction. Um at least last I heard. But anyway, uh, let's talk Gator Bowl. So we were kind of talking a little bit before this. Ooh, Alan's here now too. We'll have the four box going. Um, So- uh,
1: Uh, I just gotta say, you guys aren't aren't as famous as the the two people I just got home from talking to. You guys are not quite Don Salee and Aliyah Boston, but uh, it's good to be here. It's good to to talk a little bit of Gamecocks. How you guys doing? (laughs)
0: We're doing great. Uh, We actually just started, so you haven't missed anything. Anyway, so the we were kind of talking a little bit before the uh, broadcast that you never want to take a loss, obviously. but if you're ranking the five losses now that that happened in the 2022 season, it certainly feels like the Gator Bowl was the best of them. Um, South Carolina you know kind of came out the gates hot, uh, got a two score lead, held a two score lead through most um, of the first half, maybe. Took it into halftime, if I'm remembering correctly. There are a lot of points in this one, so I I do get a little confused. Um, But anyway, uh, and then it seemed like you know we talked before the game that Notre Dame was a little bit of a mirror image of South Carolina. And like South Carolina has done uh, in a lot of these games, they just kind of kept hanging around. um, And eventually uh, that hanging around paid off, and they started to kind of make up that ground. And and then it seemed like South Carolina, especially on defense – uh, ran out of gas. Um, I, I wouldn't say especially on defense, really on both sides. Um, and maybe the, the offensive struggles contributed to defensive struggles in a lot of ways. But either way, um, couldn't quite keep up. And then ev- even so, had an opportunity to tie it uh, within the final minute um, or final two minutes. But uh, ultimately, came up a little short there. Um, let's just kind of, I'll go to each of you. Uh, P- Perry, you want to give me your reaction, general thoughts to the game?
2: Yeah, I I mean, I may be in the minority on this, but I actually thought we were the better team overall, but we didn't close it out. I mean, we scored in all three phases. Uh, I mean, scored on defense twice, Uh, but I thought it was mostly – it was on Spencer Rattler to get the offense going, and we saw, you know, every version of him in one game. Uh, Defensively, uh, I believe – I got to go back and watch it, but I believe Tonka Hemingway took the majority of snaps at uh, Gilbert Edmonds' position. Uh, he was backed up by Johnson. Uh, Birch played the majority of snaps at the other edge. Um, and I know the announcers kind of ripped on Stone Blant a little bit on uh, that one swing pass for a touchdown. But from where I was sitting, it looked like the secondary wasn't communicating with Marcellus Style, and uh, he got caught up, didn't hold up the edge there. And it seemed like there, there were the several plays where the secondary wasn't on the same page, and I think a lot of that's contributed to the inexperience there. Um, so it's there's clearly a lot of talent back there, but I think that the inexperience really hurt us. And and the other side of it, um, the mobile quarterbacks have just been our beast of burden all yeah. year. And uh, the funny thing is thinking back to when uh, Ellis Johnson was defense coordinator and running a similar four, two, five defense. uh, We played a thing as Iowa with Brad banks down in uh, Shreveport. And we were up on them and then he just ran wild on us. And it just seems that (laughs) whatever reason this four, two, five defense has a hard time containing those mobile quarterbacks. And uh, yeah, the, Unfortunately, we, we couldn't pull it out, and uh, Notre Dame finally wisened up and relied on that big running game of theirs and just just wore us down there at the end.
0: Yeah, you spoke about Spencer Rattler kind of showing all of his sides. Um, I, I think Notre Dame fans probably felt that about Tyler Buckner too. Um, there, I was listening to one of the like national uh podcasts, and they were talking about how there were 11 touchdowns in this game. But with the two teams combined and Tyler Buckner contributed to seven of them, yeah. <laughs> including including two, two to South the other Carolina. team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, definitely the quarterbacks uh, on both sides were making big plays, but also making kind of crucial uh, mistakes um, in, in kind of crucial times. And that, I mean, that's going to happen in a game that was this back and forth and really came down to the wire like that. Um, So for this, I mean, you're going to get kind of everyone's perspective from a different perspective. Uh, Perry was watching at home and he's got like a coaching background. Pauline was down on the field. Uh, She's a senior. So and and close to some of the players. And then Alan, of course, was in the press box and uh, has all of that sort of analysis. So Pauline, what was it like being in Jacksonville, uh, your final game as a student um, down on the field? photographing the players, um, you know, the the experience of the whole weekend and the game itself?
3: Well, the first thing I did after I went through the pictures and then posted was thank uh, the whole team because it was an immaculate last season to have. I wouldn't have asked for a better season to go out on. It was my first bowl game, so I really had no idea what to expect going into it, but it definitely – surpassed my expectations just in regards to like the commitment of the fans and then like just how excited everybody was like going into it um even at the end I stayed for our uh our um yeah and um it was it was it was definitely bittersweet uh I shed a tear <laughs> but I saw everybody else um Everybody else on the team, senior-wise, was kind of in the same boat. Um, Even I just, like, across the board for seniors, I was watching the TCU game and uh, the Ohio State game. And, like, the Ohio State, like, seniors were, like, crying on the bench. And I was like, I feel the same way. And there was players on the bench crying, too. And, I mean, that was really the saddest part of it. But – on a very more positive note, like, being on the field, I was able to capture, like, a lot of moments that, like, I honestly will remember forever. Some of my favorite pictures, like, Shane Beamer literally jumping into uh, Hunter Rogers' arms. He's got good hops. Yeah, for real. But, um, yeah, I got that. I got a video of, like, Hunter and Mitch and uh, Kai, like, all, like, celebrating in the end zone, and I, like, was so happy i was feeding off their energy i was like trying to contain myself because i wasn't really allowed to like make a scene so i was cheering on the sidelines but um definitely moments like those uh outweigh the loss and i think we left it all in the field and went out with our heads held high
0: (laughs) definitely yeah that that um So those of you that don't know, I mean, we're all like this is a professional journalism site, right? But um, several of us, Alan's not, but several of us uh, are South Carolina fans in some capacity, and then we, you know, take our step back and uh, try to be objective journalists and all that sort of stuff. But one of the rules uh, for being credentialed is press box down, down field, whatever. Yeah, no cheering. Um, And it's funny because you know I grew up going to. Games at Williamsburg Stadium, and that the whole point is to cheer and get rowdy and all that sort of stuff. So definitely, when I was there for Tennessee um, and that explosion, there were several <laughs> moments where I had to like catch myself because I like wanted to, and then I was like, "Oh no, no, no!" We're, we're, yeah, I know you gotta bite your tongue we're, sometimes. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I definitely know the uh, the experience that you're talking about there. Um, as far as the the senior experience in bowl games, that is one reason that I do hope bowl games continue in some capacity as the playoffs continue and stuff, because I do think that's something that's unique about the college experience, right? You got some of these guys that are playing their last game of football ever. They're going to go on and do, you know, whatever with their career. Right. And then some, some of them are going to go play in the NFL or their juniors playing their last college game or whatever, but it's still like the end of an era in a lot of ways i'm not going um, to
3: the nfl but it was the end of an <laughs> era for me too so <laughs> i don't know you get a combine
0: um, invite at least
3: maybe i'll be like sixth round
0: <laughs> there you go um but with this game specifically i thought some of the players playing their last games as a gamecock or potentially their last games as a gamecock some of them we don't know um really did have some of their better games uh sherrod green is someone that we talked about before a sack yep
3: yeah, he was telling um, me about his uh, almost MVP moment, and I was like, that made me. I sympathized with him. I was, I was like, I, I, I wish I could help you out there, but like, I wish we won too.
0: He was. Well, Alan there. and I actually. Yeah. He uh, he was was great.
3: I think Eleven
2: total tackles. Oh, he was all over the field. Yeah. I mean, he was everywhere. Absolutely. He did everything. He, he did doing the work. most.
0: <laughs> yeah, he led the team in tackles, um, and. Uh, Alan and I were talking last week that next year, even though the linebacker room is going to be young, it might be better off overall, especially if you Mokaba back and um, Stoneblayton develops and Pup Howard comes in, all that sort of thing. Maybe you get someone out of the transfer portal too, uh, which we'll talk more about later in the week. Um, But anyway, uh, I thought... I think it's important to kind of give a nod to Sherrod Green, who has dealt with injuries throughout his entire career here, um, that he really had a solid 2022 campaign. Uh, It wasn't flashy or anything. Um, He wasn't going to win a national award uh, for linebacker or or anything like that, but um, he was really a a very solid force and a big-time leader. And, yeah, he went out on a high note, I thought, um, played one of his better games as a Gamecock uh, last Another one that stood out on the defense, um, who we don't know yet. Yeah, uh, Jordan. Yeah, is that what you were going to say? Yeah, exactly. We don't know yet what his decision is going to be. Maybe he'll come back again. Maybe he's going to go to the NFL. We should know that in the coming days. The deadline um, that is
1: January 16th, by the way. Right,
0: right. Um, but he had an exceptional uh, bowl game. Um, it, it didn't necessarily show up on the stat sheet. I think he had like one sack or something in a couple hurries, but he was pretty much single-handedly responsible for both of the pick sixes, if I'm not mistaken, and several other um, key stops especially early in the game uh, where he just put pressure uh, directly in Buckner's face and Buckner had to rush a throw and it resulted in disaster, or I mean, you know, not for South Carolina, but disaster he, for Notre Dame.
2: Yeah, he had Buckner rattled uh, a couple of times. He he laid a a couple of really nice hits on Buckner, and uh, which led to some errant throws when pressure wasn't even there.
1: He um, was in his head for sure. Because yeah. the first two interceptions, Caleb said, the first two picks was Buckner through three, but the first two, both of those, that's Jordan Birch right in his face, forcing a tip. Um, I don't remember who tipped the balls because the one went to DQ and the second one went to Nick Barrett. But Jordan Burch was in the in the space on both of those. Mm.
0: Yeah. Um, but before we get too far into the minutiae, minutia, I do want to hear uh, your take, Alan, as far as just like overall feel of the game. Um what uh I guess in the the week itself, I mean we talked a little heading into to it, but um yeah. What's your wrap up of the I... table?
1: Kind of overall
0: take, and this is is what I ended up writing for
1: those of you who haven't read it yet. And I think Perry brings up a really good point about you saw all sides of Spencer Rattler in this game. I think you saw all sides of South Carolina football in this game. You saw really good special teams. You saw a defense that was grinding and grinding and grinding. You saw a defense that ultimately could not stop a quarterback run to save their lives. We saw that all season. We saw some interesting play calling at different points. We saw the offense explode a couple times. We saw the offense sputter for four straight three. Now, that was south carolina football in a nutshell that entire game um and i think the overall way you put that is of course you want to win your bowl game you want to end with nine wins um what you saw on the field and kind of what and this is what i wrote basically is that that was a 2022 south carolina football game but a 2022 game is a good thing in the long term based on what you saw this whole season the way the team you know obviously fought the way i mean you saw hands on hips by the middle of the third quarter, those defenders, they were completely cooked physically before the third quarter was even over. Um, They hung in there as long as they could. Um, And you saw the young secondary. You saw DQ Smith and O'Donnell Fortune with pick sixes. Um, That's the future, guys. Cam Smith's gone. Darius Rush is gone. That's going to be two of the guys next year. Um, So that was kind of my general thought. This was just – they kind of played to their – the way they've played all year, both good and bad. But I think – that means that's a net positive plan the way they played all year for the overall health of the program was kind of my take.
0: Yeah, something that we talked a lot about um, in the off season and really in the early going was what is the identity of this team, and I think we found out, um, and I think it, it's starting to take shape when you put the two seasons of the Shane Beamer era together. What he wants the team to look like, and I think we also see as. The recruiting machine continues uh, to get better and better. Uh, as potentially, you know, you you have a new play caller that you you hope is more consistent than the previous one. Um, then uh, on offense, at least, uh, then you start to see like, okay, this could work. I think. Um, I mean, this, you you're coming off three straight games against top twenty opponents, uh, in which you won two of them um, and had a lot of chances to win this third one. And and, and like I said, you never want to really have like a moral victory or whatever, but if you put it all in context, it's not a terrible loss. Um, and if you put it in the context of just like uh, program growth, um, it does. And this is kind of what I wrote about in the rapid reaction right after the game. It does feel like things are, this is a, a bump along the way versus saying um, an exact um, quote. Yeah, I guess my main before we kind of go to the the drill
1: down on the game. Does anybody, any of the three of you, or anybody watching, do you feel worse about South Carolina football in the future after that game? Because I don't think you do. No, at all. Not,
2: not at all. It, yeah, that's kind when of you my look, point. Look at the recruiting classes coming yeah. in. I mean, it's I, every year. I like to think of it
3: of a next chapter. Yeah, we're on to the next bigger and better things.
0: Yeah, no, I, I can't uh, disagree. I, everything feels pretty good. There's obviously some pretty big question marks, um, especially as we find out the stats of the big three, I guess, at this point with Spencer Adler, Antoine Wells, and and Jordan Birch. But um, some of those kind of have um, reasonable answers already in the queue for them, I guess, or at least... Uh, Answers you can start to wrap your head around. You know, if Rattler leaves, maybe you start to look towards what a season looks like under Luke Doty, which I don't know if it, if that's the worst thing necessarily either. Uh, I mean, surely you'd rather have Rattler back right now. But um, the wide receiver room, I mean, they're gonna have to go get some transfer wide receivers, rather whether Wells comes back or not. I think. Um, and then the. Edge Defense was always going to be, yeah, was always going to be a little bit uh, sketchy, um, and obviously you don't want to depend on a true freshman. But uh, I mean, it's encouraging to see Desmond Umi-Ozulu yesterday in the Under Armour All America game. Uh, I think he had a sack and a forced fumble. I mean, he, he played pretty well, and that's you don't ever play a whole game in the Under Armour game anyway. Um, so that's in pretty limited action. Um, he, th- you got some some help coming in. Um, so.
2: Well, we, we have guys already on the roster that will take a big jump next year, too. Um, I, I mean, Johnson showed a little bit of what he could do in the bowl game, but he's been injured his whole time here. He could, I thought he might take that next step forward this year. It didn't happen. Next year could be his year. Brian Thomas clearly has some pass rush ability. So there's some guys already here. And then, you know, offensively, there's a lot we couldn't do in the ball game due to the tight end situation. Um, and then once Nate Atkins went down, our offense started sputtering. I know we came back in, but he didn't seem to be quite the same. We couldn't run the two tight end sets nearly the same we did. We tried <clears throat> to counter a couple times and with I think Wyatt Campbell in it tight end as well and didn't go anywhere. Um, so I, I think just certain positions, um, just with an off season ahead, we may come out stronger even you know before counting the freshmen coming in
0: yeah the tight end room is going to look very different next year but i think very good next year and we yeah. talked to a little bit about that last week too but with all the transfers and and freshmen and stuff and speaking of tight end specifically right we talk about the offensive struggles in the second half of the gator bowl um there was an opportunity uh, late in that game for Spencer Rattler to hit Jordan Birch, which is, you know, not who you ideally want want, <laughs> want to play tight end <laughs> uh, right, right. for for a twenty five yard touchdown pass. That like if Jordan Birch is tra- classically trained as a tight end and has you know. Put in hours of experience in body positioning and stuff. It would have been a tough catch, but it's it's probably catchable. Um, but you notice what else was on that play.
1: Did you notice that play? They had th- thirteen personnel on the field. You had Jordan Birch, Tonka Hemingway, and TJ Sanders all playing tight end on the field on the same play.
2: That that could have right. gone really badly. <laughs> those guys could have gotten hurt, and that would have been pretty much into that game right there. You know, I'm glad it didn't.
0: <laughs> right. But yeah, you you speak about the the lack of the tight end room, and it's pretty obvious that this offense functions best uh, when the tight ends are healthy and and doing well. And they were kind of playing with one arm arm tied behind their back, and they still were creative enough to to make it pretty a very interesting game. Um, now I I wrote after it was a highly entertaining game. I, I definitely wrote it <laughs> when I was doing my pre-write or whatever. I was writing it like, oh, South Carolina gets a narrow win because um, that's just what I was optimistically hoping or whatever. Um, but even with the loss, it was just a highly entertaining game from from start to finish. Um, Alan, I know like we were texting a little bit <laughs> between it and you just kept saying like how absurd it was and maybe one of the weirdest games you've witnessed in person. I, I, I was wondering if you could speak to that a little bit.
1: Yeah, actually I think the well, first of all, before we get to that, and Paulie might have something on this, that felt like it mattered. And I know it, you know, we were talking about big picture projection, you're fine long term. There's that that stadium was full for a non Year's six bowl game. That was I actually read that other than the two playoff semifinals, the national title game and the Rose Bowl, that was the highest attended bowl game. Like that Carolina fans filled that place. That felt like a bigger game than it probably was, even though I think we all agree it still was a big game. Did, for, before I get to the other question, Pauly, did you did that feel like a bigger a game at Willie B. on the field?
3: Uh, I mean, it was like I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I thought personally it was split pretty evenly between fighting Irish and Gamecock. I will yeah. say though the and press used- box
1: was on the South Carolina side, like the sideline, so it was only garnet under where we were. But okay.
3: From the Notre Dame side, it was a lot louder by the end of the uh, the third quarter, beginning right. of the fourth quarter. So it definitely maybe at least to me seemed a little bit louder. But I really wanted to talk about Jordan Birch and Nate Atkins and how um the lack of like depth now they're like basically doing like wearing multiple hats and just I wanted to get back to that point because like afterwards when Nate went down, that was when I thought the plays started to get more creative, which is like what I know that we were just about to talk about. But I think it was also the most interesting game I witnessed on the field personally. It was just, just to Alan's point. It was just
1: screwy. Like, I, don't, I that's kind of the best way i put it. Um, there's a it lot of. like things, you're
3: going through the dictionary of plays. That's a good way. Like yeah. Going to later, like letter Z. It was
1: screwy. <laughs> like, I would. I've never seen a long snapper throw a touchdown pass to – or a punter throw a touchdown pass to a long snapper. I'll start there. Perry, you're laughing too. Do you
3: have any <laughs> yeah, of your I've high school playbooks? have any of those?
2: I've never seen anything like that. Never. I mean, I mean it's, that, that means you have somebody else snapping the ball. You're, you're yeah. like, taking the chance, like taking your best snapper all out of that position so he can go catch the ball. I mean
3: – uh, Crazy. But, yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I, saw, I, I saw you mentioned on Twitter that the press box kind of like – Reacted with how absurd it was, too. Like, there was like laughter and laughter, (laughs) not cheering, but like, it was like, we're
1: all kind of looking at each other. Like, did the punter just throw the ball with a long snapper? Like, we're like, we're trying to get a replay. We're trying. Apparently, Mitch Jeter was the other receiver on that play, which I didn't even notice. So, I watched it back. Um, so like, the ball could have gone to him, too, in theory. Um,
3: he comes running up and like pounces on, um, (laughs) on a Rodgers, which I thought was really funny too. It they were having weird. their whole then, celebrity moment.
1: You no, know, not even a minute later, you get a pick six from DQ. Um, you get Notre Dame the, I think it was a touchdown that cut it to 24-17. Was their longest touchdown of the season? The little pass in the, I think that might have been the one where the broadcasts were getting on stone. Perry. They
0: had two. They had two one play drives that
1: Yeah, us. like, and then the, I think the weirdest thing of all. Well, it sounds mean that. Xavier Leggett caught that ball in the end zone after all the ones he's dropped this year. That was the one he pulled in for like a highlight real catch. Yeah, that's probably the catch of the season by any Carolina player. Maybe Wells the one against Tennessee, but that was really impressive body control from Leggett in the end zone. Yeah, he, yeah, man. he has
2: that ability. He, just, he does, and he's you know like, people it, might
1: not like it or, it, or he, they might not want him to be wr one next year. I think they're going to portal someone eventually, but Leggett's going to be a big part of this puzzle next year. He just is. Um yeah. It's going to have to be. And then to to. the screwiest part of it all to me was, and you already mentioned this Perry, but Notre Dame up seven running through a completely cooked South Carolina defense. And then they throw a pass on the goal line and OD picks it off and takes it. And that was the like outer space point. Like that's kind of where you crossed into a weird, into the twilight zone. Cause there was just no reason for that ball to go in the air. And the well, only thing was, that go what ahead.
2: Was, what was he doing there anyway? Yeah. He Covering anybody, he was just kind of it, it was like he was lost on the play, too. And the and quarterback he accidentally like, got a hundred
1: yard pick six.
2: <laughs> yeah. I was like, Well, okay, you know, but
3: yeah, it was just no it, one was where they were, it was kind to of just kind game. of a stack,
1: yeah, it was a stack of weird things, one on top of another. Um, that's kind of the way I would put it. It wasn't, you know, you've had the, the Tennessee game in general was weird. Um, I think the way the Clemson game ended was weird with the the muff punt. Um, there's been that's how I th-
3: thought this game was gonna end though. I did
1: kind of think that, and I guess more there were bits and pieces of other games. The A and M game first quarter was weird with the 17 quick points. Like there were bits and pieces of weird all year at South Carolina. That's kind of the way it works here. Um, <laughs> but I don't think you've had 60 minutes of weird like that, wire to wire, other than the bowl game.
0: Yeah, I I messaged in the group chat, like, in the fourth quarter. Uh, I can't remember even what the exact moment was now. But I was like, wait. I was like, this is the first time that I felt like South Carolina might lose this game. And there's just, like, a weird feeling, maybe because of the two games prior or whatever, yes. <laughs> um, where, like, no matter how strange it was getting, kinda like, thrives in the chaos, I guess, so that it was just going to work out. Um, and then, yeah, eventually it just – didn't. But even I think after I texted that, then the O'Donnell fortune interception happened. And I was like, okay, I guess we are just going to continue to be weird. (laughs) That was like my Um, last
3: like saving grace of hope was when that happened. I was like Ah. on the same wave. Because there is like this like it's, it's like a switch that goes off where all of a sudden I mean, at least for me, just like with the fans as well, all of a sudden it's you kind of realize it's quiet and like no one's really like cheering you hear the other team a lot more and the players just like the energy's not there the defense was kaput after the third quarter so I mean understandable but yeah after that um after O'Donnell I literally I thought it was over after that that was the last saving grace you
1: Go ahead. Yeah. I think I know what
0: you're going to say. No, I, just, Go I just said the problem there is defense was so gassed and that. Yeah, get right was, back on the field. Yeah, yeah exactly. It's a great play, but yeah, they got like a 20-second break, well, and then they were right back out that's there. That's why
3: Jordan Birch was – Zach Pickens wasn't there. I was so literally I about know, like, to
0: say, I think the biggest – I know they lost,
3: they they lost Smith, big. they
1: lost Rush, they lost the tight ends. Like I think if you could have had one player back in this game that you didn't – that could have won the game, I think it's probably Zach Pickens. I don't know if you guys agree Everyone with
3: that. No one talked about it too, yeah. No, I totally agree with that. I 100% think that he was a very valuable player that no one really talked about. He just moves that. so
1: many bodies in the middle, especially. It <laughs> does. Like, that sounds funny, but like he, he just, Perry could speak to it more from a coaching perspective, but he just takes up space and moves bodies. And when you're facing a kind of a power running game like what job. Notre Dame has, um, I think that probably, and you keep, obviously, that means you keep Tonka fresher. You keep Alex Huntley fresher. Like, I think that's kind of what I thought. But
3: uh, Alex was also doing a lot on the field as well. So
2: I I honestly felt that way about any of the positions, to be quite honest. I mean, it's it's one of the cornerbacks. I I think a lot of the miscommunication in secondary gets cleaned up. Um, Like, Pickens certainly would have helped on the defensive line. Uh, Even another tight end that had been playing all year would have helped offensively. I I think you could really pick any (laughs) of the positions. Yeah.
1: We haven't even mentioned him yet, but Keenan Nelson Jr. didn't start. A, didn't play a snap in the regular season. He played like sixty something in this game, I think it was. Yeah, he was didn't on play defense. a defense. He's on special teams, but got his first career start. Um, he struggled. Yeah, he did, I mean, that's, and that's not no his, way his way fault. But like, yeah,
2: very, very talented, but he struggled. And you so- saw
1: DJ Twitty getting snaps at H back. I don't know if any of you guys noticed that, but he was yeah. in there blocking a couple times. Um, yeah
0: but to be fair from the notre dame perspective right if drew Pro- if drew pine drew starts pine. that game uh does he throw three interceptions or do they play it a little bit more conservatively and win that game oh no, it's it's not an excuse I, I do think or the, whatever you know like i i mean look you can look at the total yards you can look at the numbers like notre dame
1: probably I think if you play that game ten times, Notre Dame probably wins six or seven of them. Like I don't think that was an unjustified. Res- I mean, Perry, you maybe disagree. I don't know. But I,
2: the only reason why I, I kind of shrug on that um, is because I it, we scored in all three phases, right? Yeah, so that's me, fair. To me, it feels like we were the better coached team overall. That's uh,
3: what a lot of people were saying on the but, takeaway was just yeah, we played better.
2: But I mean, the, the thing is, I thought Notre Dame was. Not relying on their strength in the first half, I yes, mean, they weren't running ball much, and I felt like if they had really just downhill, they could have gashed us much earlier, yeah. So, I mean, it's I thought we were better overall, but it the best team doesn't always win. We saw that throughout bowl matchups this year, you know. So, I mean, it's just the way it goes. So, but with that, um, i got to jump off. Uh, you guys have a great day, and yep. uh, you next bye, Perry. Time. Yep. Bye.
0: Yeah, thanks, thanks for your perspective um all right any other like major storylines from this game specifically that you wanted to uh, to hit on i think we pretty much covered the bowl game i do, th- I do think there's some big picture stuff we
1: gotta get into um kind of yeah. look like i said we're still we're still 12 days away from the nfl draft Oh, you got something
3: hot take is that i don't think juju mcdowell should be number zero that is my you know what, it, it did cause... look kind of weird. I was, you know, you're
1: looking at that, like...
3: <laughs> I know. It looks so...
1: Di- Obviously, his body type is totally different than Debo Williams, and those are your two zeros. And it's like, it just well, looks all they ended
3: up on the field together, and I was like, what's going on? Yeah, like, that, that's actually I another point, too. They had either.
1: some uncharacteristic special teams mistakes, which I think is just yeah. the, like, so many... guys special teams, teams is coming. always the fringes of your rosters, guys that haven't played together a lot, so... I mean, that kind of is – they had two delay games going into punts and also um, obviously a couple – oh, that's what I wanted to ask you about, especially Pauline, because you're on the field. I, I could just see you from 30,000 feet. Shane blowing up at the end of the first half, getting a penalty. Um, what did you see on that one?
3: So, like, all of a sudden, on the sidelines, I was uh, actually next to Kendall Smith from Gamecock Central, and all of a sudden, like, I see on the big screen and look over to the sidelines, and Shane is – Stomping his feet. Like, and I'm all the, I was like, I didn't even know what the call was because in the beginning of the game, they were all buddy buddy together, I thought. And I mean, there were some questionable calls. And that's one of the things that fans were like upset about. I mean, I'm not a referee. So I'm I not that call like... was
1: that was the illegal blindside block on the punt return, about a minute left in the first half. I thought that call was. Yes bad maybe but i didn't think it was like so egregious that that's the one you blow up on and get a penalty and i mean shane admitted himself to the responsibility that that kind of killed that drive like shane cost him 15 yards there and they had a chance to score before halftime
3: oh absolutely like that 15 yards is definitely within like what how much time was left like a, like a minute, minute minute and a half up. i think yeah like that like that was necessary for us yeah but shane also, i think shane all these other the games there. really like I, shane is a he has had his moments on the field before, and I've honestly, I was telling Caleb, I've never heard that call ever. Like, i never. It's a pretty rare coming. one, yeah. Yeah, and I, like. And got called years twice. Years of college. Yeah,
1: he did get called twice, although the second one I thought the was pretty one, obvious in yeah. the press box, at least. Um,
3: yeah. But still, Did you guys like, see, by the way, did you see this
1: Luke? Did you notice Luke Doty on the field and kick return blocking on that last kickoff?
3: He was, like, uh, randomly on the field. That's for, what, Yeah, yeah. I thought that was,
0: yeah. No, I don't know. Yeah. So the penalties, I definitely thought, like, I try not to be the, like, blame the refs guy ever. Um, And there's a bunch of reasons, like, on the field football reasons that South Carolina lost this game. Uh, But the refs didn't help. It it definitely did feel like it it skewed some of the, like, weird, questionable calls skewed against South Carolina down the stretch um, in some kind of key spots. Shane Beamer, like <laughs> Heat, that's that the most I The mean, rest
3: of the game
0: I obviously saw, only saw it through the broadcast or whatever, but that's the most angry I think I've ever seen him, um, which was
3: well, I entertaining mean, I and just,
0: interesting um,
3: Afterwards, the whole penalty thing, I would have stormed off the field too, to be completely honest It was just weird, with
1: you. in my opinion It was a weird spot to blow up, after all 12 games, I guess 12 and a half games at that point Penalties, up and down, closer games, fourth quarters, like that was the one that got you and i didn't like i said i didn't think yeah. it was a great call I, I mean but i've seen way worse calls than that this year both for and against south carolina like i didn't think that one was so ridiculous that that was the one to get a penalty over but what are you gonna do
0: yeah that that penalty in and of itself just from a football perspective um kind of frustrates me uh and as someone who played football right like to me, and this is actually a comment from my dad, um, like while we were watching the game. But to me, you shouldn't have live kickoffs anymore if that's going to be a problem no, I'm with you um, because, with you. like, that's kind of the point. Is as a as someone that's playing on the kickoff team, trying to go down and tackle the guy or whatever, you have to part of being on the kickoff team is yes, you're going after the guy full force, but you also have to have your head on a swivel for where a blocker might be coming from. Um, and if you don't see him, that's part of kickoff. <laughs> so, it, you know, if you want to take that completely out of the game, fine, but then just like, let's stop pretending. I'm anti-kickoffs that I'm anti kickoffs in
1: general. It's the most dangerous play in football, just by concussion ratio. And then there's, this is a topic for another show in the off season, but I'm kind of in general, kind of with you that we probably don't need to have kickoffs anymore. Um, but that's a separate issue.
0: Yeah. All right. Let's talk some big picture really quick. I, I texted you guys before to kind of think about a couple things. So, um, let's start with what were some of your biggest surprises of the 2022 season? Obviously like the, the, the highlights are going to be like, Oh, we beat Tennessee. Um, but, uh, any like, I guess more obscure or more specific, uh, surprises from the past season that you didn't expect as we were heading in. Go right, ahead, Pauline. I got you.
3: <laughs> well, uh, the first one I was going to say was, I know we mentioned him earlier, but, um, in the beginning of the season we were a little slower on our uh, on our wins but Luke Doty always kind of was our little secret weapon in those instances when Spencer was kind of under pressure and he got taken out like once or twice and Luke was able to have a chance in there I think I want see more, and I didn't get to see him more. Like I didn't get to see him develop throughout the season, which I would have wanted to, especially in this scenario where there's questionability that Spencer's not coming back. So I wish I was able to see him play more. That is one of my takeaways.
0: Yeah, yeah there really weren't too many cool. games where South Carolina was far enough ahead or far enough behind to give him too many opportunities. I mean, he played against Georgia um, and then I, I do know the that. I was, against Charlotte. Yeah. And I do know we learned later in the season that there were some active talks about preserving his red shirt um, so that he does have more years of eligibility to play once. I mean, Beamer said at point blank, the reason
1: he didn't play against Florida was they didn't want to go over the red shirt threshold. Right.
0: Um, but yeah, so that is, that's, a that's kind of a, a mystery, I guess, uh, going forward. Well, that we'll, especially
3: go cause ahead. our QB, uh, record when it comes to finding them and our, uh, our players in general in the past, we've kind of, uh, hit the mark on that. So that's why I'm interested to see, cause I do this see a lot of potential. This sounds, so, I mean, this
1: sounds crazy. Cause none of us have ever seen him play a college snap. I'm kind of Tanner Bailey bullish. I know he's a big time recruit. He flipped from Oregon. Like we've been hearing stuff that like, he worked up the depth chart. He was traveling to road games. Like none of us have ever seen him play a college football snap. It's a kind of ridiculous thing for me to even say, but like sneaky bullish on Tanner Bailey, just kind of the things we're hearing.
0: Um, there's, no, there's no doubt he's going to be near the top of my list of spring storylines yeah. should Spencer Rattler move on um, as far as like, yeah, is he going to compete for that starting job uh, by spring or at the very least solidify mm-hmm. that number two? Yeah. Um, as a redshirt freshman, which would still be impressive. No, but mine, my, um, you talking about surprises? Oh, were you done?
3: No, I, sorry, I just missed that point. Would you repeat that? Sorry. How oh, About Tanner Bailey? No, um, with you on that. What did uh, Caleb? What did you just say? I was trying to like formulate a little. He's like a storyline that... for the
0: spring. Yeah. If Rattler leaves, do you just, really uh, think? Do you
3: really think that there's? Oh, remember. Do you really think though that he would be securing a second spot, or he would be the first? I, I, I think Tanner Bailey. Like if
1: Spencer Rattler's gone, there's every chance in the world Tanner Bailey is your backup quarterback on opening day next year. Um, I don't think that's do unrealistic to say. You think
3: going to Cody's be first?
1: Yeah, I do. I, at this exact moment on January 4th, you know we're eight months from the next game, but yeah, I do think Luke Lutone's a starter next year if Rattler goes.
0: Um, yeah, well, we had heard some some back channel conversations with some transfer options uh, should Rattler leave, but some of that's quieted down at least at the moment. Um, but yeah, that's obviously still also an option, but if the room looks as it looks right now, I would say Doty obviously is the leader in the clubhouse or whatever. Um, surprises from 2022, Alan? Uh, Nikki Memoria and DQ Smith.
1: I mean, two guys, neither of them were recruited that highly. Nikki Memoria wasn't recruited by anybody but South Carolina. Dickey Smith came in as a quarterback. They changed. They flipped him over to defense, um, and that's probably the two best players your secondary by the end of the year, other than Cam and Darius, who are both NFL players. Um, I, we did hear all of August. I will kind of half retract that that Nicky Mowry was impressing people. They liked him as a player, and and then of course, literally the first drive of the season, R.J. Roderick gets hurt, and Memori has to come in. Um, yeah, just that secondary is kind of what I what I would say the surprise was was there. If I told you before the year that two true freshmen would have to play, start basically every game all year in the secondary, you would not have put eight and four on the board. There's no way. Um, so I think that's kind of my biggest surprise just in terms of names that were off the board in August who are now very, very on the board for 2023.
3: I totally yeah, agree. I just think this. that the class coming in and the recruiting is going to end up like it blew my mind in the beginning of the season when I was going to these press conferences and then they started to become more and more prominent within the game and I was watching them on the field develop and I'm just like hearing about all these other like star recruits that we're getting and Shane is doing an incredible job at going and finding these players that like you would never assume would be starting first game of the year and here you go, and now at the end of the season, he's like one of our most useful players, I guess. Yeah, you I have to be pretty—you
0: <laughs> have to be pretty excited about the secondary um, because you have tons of youthful talent now that has lots of college-level experience, and then, like you just mentioned, there's a pretty impressive recruiting class of five DBs coming in. Um, that also could push for playing time pretty immediately. So um, it's young, but a very, very talented and deep secondary very quickly. Um, whereas that was a weakness just two seasons ago. Um, I mean, even heading in, into this season, it felt, you know, strong, but then um, as far as surprises go for me, uh, Antoine Wells, I would say exceeded expectations. Like I, we all expected him to start once we were hearing what we were hearing uh, once he arrived pretty much. But um, I don't know that I expected him to be one of the best receivers in the SEC and, you know, make himself into a potential NFL draft uh, caliber prospect. Um, just two seasons removed from being recruited as a FCS level uh, receiver out of high school. Um, so that's, that's a very impressive trajectory for him. And then the, the only other one that came to mind is, is just how vitally important Nate Atkins was. Um, him and first, Austin. Yeah. Well, when they first signed him out of the portal, I was like, all right, well they already have GM Bell and Austin Stogner. Mm-hmm. I can't really see what sort of role Nate Atkins is going to carve for himself. But um, honestly, you could say he was the most important of the three uh, throughout the season. I mean, He's obviously left Bell, left. Bell played a major <laughs> Bell played a major impact um, while Marshawn Lloyd was out and all of that in, in some other ways. But as far as the, the tight end position, um, Nate Atkins was just like this consistent force and showed some sneaky athleticism and some major. Clemson catching. Yeah. Um, so the, that, that, that's it for me. Um, all right. Really quickly, I know it's January 4th or whatever day it is. Um, we have a long stretch before next September. Um, we Maybe you haven't even looked too deeply at the schedule. I've looked a little bit at it. I um, have. I would say it's easier than it was this, this past season. Um, I don't know if I agree with that. That's my opinion. I mean, okay, it's easier looking at it in the preseason than this schedule looked in the preseason. Um, and – then I think once you get into the meat of a schedule, some of the ge- the teams you thought were gonna be difficult aren't. Some of the teams you didn't expect to be difficult are, you know, it, it kind of shakes things up. Anyway, my only thing um, oh go ahead. No, just what are you what are your expectations for this team in 2023? And what are some of the questions that you need to see answered over the offseason to sort of fill in some of those gaps? Um, whichever wants to go first.
3: I'd be excited to see uh, North Carolina, obviously, because it'll be two years later. We can see if we're still better. The better, the better bowl, the <laughs> Well, yeah, but um, September 2nd, uh, they're, that's the first game that we're playing. So right, um, you're saying it's been really. two
0: years since the bowl game? Oh, all right, yeah, yeah,
3: you're all sorry. Two years, very loosely two years, but... By next season, like, you know, it'll be cool to come back and see if we can still hold our own against them if their program has gotten any better. Same stadium,
1: too. The like games in Charlotte.
3: We shall see. Can we rattle them again? That will be fun to see.
1: Yeah. I guess my only schedule point, and not to cut you off, is that's a tough September. Like, that. Georgia on the road, Tennessee on the road, you got a sneaky nine-win Mississippi State team coming to Willie B, and you got neutral site North Carolina before you even out of the first month, um, which, and I know you, have, you guys have questions too, and I do, when you're talking about questions that have to be answered, you got to answer them quick, because that's, that's a front-loaded schedule next year.
3: I was about to say, I don't really think that there's any, like, stretch like there was this past season where we had an opportunity to come off of, like, two consecutive wins or something like that. I'm looking at this now, and I'm literally thinking maybe Jacksonville State and Vanderbilt, but even Vanderbilt was a little too close to come for it this past season, and I hope that isn't a repeat, but that's honestly, like, the only two I could see that would be kind of like our our little, like, streak winning streak, I guess.
0: I mean, I don't think that the September is tougher than it was this past September. Uh, You had to go on the road to Arkansas. Um, I mean, you had Georgia at home, but that was never going to be a very easy game anyway. Um, I guess maybe you had one more gimme, but... um,
1: Well, you had the one more gimme, and you're replacing week one from Georgia State in your place to North Carolina with Drake May coming back at a neutral site, which is kind of what I think tips it. And they definitely can win that game. Um, But I think that kind of takes me to the questions. Like, for me, it... This whole offseason, we're not going to know until the lead up to the season. It begins and ends with Dowell Loggins, right? Um, you get this new offensive coordinator, a guy who's never called a play in college football. Obviously, it can work. I think we clearly know how Shane feels about it possibly working. Um, but it's, it's kind of a you-got-to-wait-and-see approach, and you got to prove it to see it. you got to see Dowell Loggins call plays. you got to see the offense look good. Um, anything you're doing in 2023, it's going to have to start with that getting it off the ground, right?
3: I think it's kind of going to be like a similar scenario to just like reaction wise from the fans and from like South Carolina Gamecocks in general. Loggins is going to be kind of the same as like when Spencer Rattler came in where there was kind of this hesitation, like, do we really think that this kid's like worth it on the team type? There was a little bit of negative energy and negative like buzz around it. But then Spencer proved us all wrong and said, I deserve to be here. Like. I think that'll be ultimately like what happens with uh, Loggins coming in. But the Gamecock fans are going to have to allow him to like welcome him with open arms, I guess, and allow him to show us, I guess.
1: And then I got a comment here saying from Carl saying Vanderbilt might be putting something together. Yeah, that's kind of a sneaky tough game in November. Um, Vanderbilt obviously won five games last year. They beat two SEC teams that went to bowl games. Um, I think, kind of, my other thing too, and maybe you have a thought on this, Caleb. We've kind of done some of the recruiting stuff, just maybe this is where Big Tree comes in. No one's talked about it, but South Carolina is losing three starting offensive linemen, all that play next to each other. You got Eric Douglas at center, Javon Bennett right guard, who's probably going to be an NFL guard, who'll at least get drafted, and then Dillow on at right tackle. Um, you could have the addition by subtraction argument. You say that the guys coming in might be better. I think there's at least a case. I think they're going to have to portal at least one more offensive lineman. I don't, don't know if that's even negotiable at this point, just from a depth perspective. Um, but yeah. you're, you're losing three out of five there.
0: Yeah, I mean, you already got one in the portal, right, with uh, Nick. Um, George Carter. Julio, yeah. George um, Julio. Nichols just announced that he's coming back. That's a big you one. J- you got Ja'Kai Moore uh, coming back. You got Tashon Wanamaker coming back. Um, Kaysen Henry is a freshman that's – uh made I've seen
3: some... him yeah. He played yeah, a couple snaps the whole game, I
0: think. Yeah.
3: He's been he, doing he, pretty well for himself over he, quietly in the corner.
0: Yeah, he had some nice buzz uh coming in and then I, I've heard some good things throughout uh the season, but obviously he just needed to develop. So hopefully a full year in the weight program, a full year in the nutrition program, um he's able to he's sort his of contribute some kind of that of. Do you, have um, yeah, eight, oh, too early. do you who do you think those five are going to be against north carolina
1: because if i had to guess right now i'd say nichols at left tackle more at left guard kick for Sean lead at center maybe and then maybe i don't know case and henry and Julio on the right side but they're both tackles so you need a guard in there somewhere like
0: just guy i want to do um
3: i feel like that's
1: such
3: that's such a jump. For You're going to need like, someone to play. You kind
1: of got an overabundance of tackles. You need someone to kick inside to play guard, I think, is going to be – the because Ja'Kai Moore is a tackle by trade, too. Um, He was a left tackle coming into the program. So, I don't know. I mean, yeah.
3: known to switching players sure. around. Sure. I'm interested in that story. You mentioned role.
1: questions. I've got Dowell Loggins and the offensive line are kind of my two biggest questions, as we sit nine months from the next football
0: game. Yeah, which – Honestly, check out GamecockScoop.com. in the coming days. I'm going to have a little bit of a recruiting wrap up and a portal wrap up coming up. Um, they did just offer several linemen in the portal, um, I, and I can't think of them off the top of my head, which is why I'm telling you to go check it off. Check it out uh, in a couple of days when my brain is functioning better. I've been sick all week. I think I said that at the beginning of the show. So this, this is your blue game, out. your Michael <laughs> Jordan blue <This>, game, exactly. <laughs> Um no playing Dinero says go Kim Cox. Good afternoon. Appreciate that. Um, yeah, always Ooh. loving uh comments from anyone that's that's watching, by the way. So uh appreciate because you checking in. We did we want to hit on like a couple minutes of
1: basketball, or are we just gonna get out of here? Because it's a men well, game yeah, last me give, night.
0: Let me go give me my 2023 expectations and questions. And oh questions yeah, yeah, questions of course. Questions. Of course. Um I think my expectations probably do start. Somewhere around eight and four, or whatever. If I'm going to put an actual number on it, I mean, I'm looking at the, at the schedule and it is front loaded for sure. Um, but you think if you, I mean, at worst, split North Carolina, and Mississippi State, um, and win against Furman, you're two and two heading into Tennessee. Um, I mean, it, really, it's it's going to be tough all the way until Florida. But then you got a stretch of Missouri, A and M, Jacksonville State, Vanderbilt, Kentucky. Before Clemson, um, so I do think you have space to to really piece together some wins, and then if you get some big wins on the front half of the schedule to get some momentum, um, it becomes interesting down the stretch. Um, I don't know. A, a lot of there, there are a lot of questions like that that we we keep bringing up. Um, my biggest question still right now is is Spencer Rattler the quarterback? If you have that to build around on offense, um, both in your endeavors in the portal that, that are still ongoing um, and just building around uh, what you already have on the roster and building around Dowell Loggins and think, what he wants to do on offense, um, then I think you have to be pretty optimistic. Obviously, Rattler was up and down, but we also saw the sort of upside he does have when things are are going well. Um, Pauline, did you have something on that?
3: Yes. Yeah, so I think that um, personally my, my future, is, uh, like my prediction is, seven and five I don't think we're gonna do as well as we did this year but also I don't unless we can secure Spencer Rattler for this upcoming season I think that we're gonna lose part of the uh, whole identity we've been trying to build over this past season and that's because we haven't really had a like like for sure quarterback since this past season in my personal opinion we thought ryan Holinski was gonna be our like for sure quarterback didn't end up working and honestly after four years i could say that spencer really is the only permanent but you know satisfactory quarterback that we have had and if we don't secure him again uh the whole – the whole pro, not program is going to fall apart, but, like, the the identity that we've been working on is going to kind of falter and crumble a little bit, and we're going to have to find a whole new yeah. start from the bottom, I guess. Yeah, I, I agree
0: good. with that to some degree, although I think that the, the personality of the team has built itself around Shane Beamer to the point that he's kind of um, earned a little bit of uh, – trust to the of of like where is like wherever it's going next um even with the the bowl game i think is a good example of this right where you do have these pretty key um subtractions or or people moving on or whatever and then south carolina came out the gate firing like it seemed like the team very much still believed i don't care that we're missing all these people like we, we have it ultimately they ran out of gas but um it seemed like the attitude was still it doesn't matter who's here we're gonna compete you know
3: and i'm always a big um, proponent of that the whole attitude of just making sure the team is locked in and not getting rattled and stuff like that but i definitely thought that there were key moments where i definitely realized that those players that have moved on or were not there when we could have used
0: them there they were missing yeah once the game settled in for sure uh it became apparent um, all right, yeah. Let's talk a little bit of basketball before we get out of here. Um, two games have already taken place this week, and then two more games, uh, one each for men and women, uh, are coming up this weekend. Are both of those at home? Remind me. Uh yeah, it's actually a third women's game on Sunday. But yeah, for the Sunday's rest of the
3: week,
0: Sunday away.
1: They're women at home tomorrow against Auburn. That was the like three mm-hmm. game presser today that I was a few minutes late. We're coming mm-hmm. into here and then Tennessee Saturday for the men, which uh that might be tough. That uh, that could yeah. be a <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, Tennessee just blew the doors off of Mississippi State last it night. did um, nothing out of the gate, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was rough. Um, but yeah, speaking of the men's team, really quick, and then you guys can speak about the women's team because uh, I haven't, I wasn't paying attention as much to that game the other. You day. You were physically dying on
1: on Monday. <laughs> yeah,
0: I was. I was in a black void of nothingness. Um, <laughs> but uh, I did watch the men's game last night. Um, I came away, it was a loss in overtime. I came away impressed um, at the the way that they played on the road um, early in the season. It felt like anytime they were at a Colonial Life arena, they were completely a fish out of water. And then it seemed like on that D.C. road, which started with a blowout loss to George Washington, but then they they'd get their first road win against Georgetown. Something kind of shifted. Um, they road losses since then i believe ecu and now vanderbilt um but uh they've played much better the margin of victory has been much more respectable um and it seems like they they're starting to build a little bit of an identity um and that identity starts with Gigi jackson and then whoever they can get hot uh from behind the arc which last night chico carter Scored 26 points. Got real hot. Yeah, Uh, yeah, he was. He he had a great game. Um, Unfortunately, they just uh, couldn't uh, get it done down the stretch. And then in overtime, it took them four minutes and or three minutes and 46 seconds or something like that. Uh, of the five-minute period to score their first field goal. And by that point, they were down seven, I believe, and could they just couldn't call. There, was, there wasn't enough time to call back in. Vanderbilt made their shot, their free-throw shots down the, the stretch and kind of closed it out. Um, but if you watched that whole game, uh, you saw encouraging things from Gigi Jackson, Chico Carter, Michi Johnson. Uh, another key factor was right at the beginning of overtime, Hayden Brown and Benjamin Bozeman. That's what I dog. was going to say, yeah. Yeah both fouled out in the first like 30 seconds of overtime. Um, and that's something that we've talked about. Like you're super thin. Um, I think South Carolina scored 10 points off the bench. Three to 10 Vanderbilt off the bench last night. Yeah, exactly. Um, and when you're going up against these teams that have greater depth than you, you can't get into fouls, Trevor, trouble. No, that and that's right.
1: been uh, we've had this conversation with Perry. That's been the Hayden Brown problem pretty much all year. Um, that'd be my point on my other kind of positive, or maybe more of what I want to see play these freshmen. Now, obviously, Gigi, okay, he's kind of in his own bracket, but like Zachary Davis, I think there's some pop there. He's got some good handles. Um, he can shoot a little bit. Um, and Daniel Hankin Sanford ended up on the court in overtime because the other bigs fell out, but. That's kind I of agree. the future of your program right now. Um, and again, technically you have three freshmen. I think we kind of know the deals with Gigi Jackson, but um Hankin Sanford and Zachary Davis, I would like to see get more minutes. Um, especially when Lamont's kind of going with these small ball lineups. Um, he's kind of liking the um Michi Johnson, Chico Carter Jr., Jacoby Wright look lately as a backcourt. Um, slide Zachary Davis in there now and then, just kind of see how that fits. Um I think for the long term, when you kind of look towards next season, year after that, I get these freshman more minutes was kind of my other take from watching last night.
3: I would just say that um, to both of y'all's point and really in the beginning of the season, even in the summer before school started, we were hearing about what the basketball programs could look like. Basically what the basketball program was going to look like was Gigi Jackson. Like that was – the only player namesake wise we would ever hear. And I would say now that we've gotten a couple games under our belt, there are like a couple more names that were, or yeah, a couple more names that we're starting to see like Brown. And I mean, I've only been to one so far, but I've been impressed with a lot of other players that I would not have assumed really would have been hyped up. I believe they should be more but they're starting to I think as the season goes on hopefully those freshmen will start to be able to their names will start coming up more and more too especially if we already know what's going to happen with Gigi Jackson
1: yeah and I think we do we um I also before we get out of here on the men's switch the women's briefly I gotta mention the dunk Gigi Jackson had last night that was
0: that was pretty <sighs> you're, that was pretty good you you see
3: my point no
0: it was pretty good you um, gotta find a video guide. I linked it in my article if you want to it was pretty impressive it was a putback for those
1: of you who haven't seen it it was like uh, i can't remember who missed the shot but someone in south Carolina missed an outside shot vanderbilt didn't like didn't crash the glass asked. at all Gigi just comes in and throws it down on the
0: rebound um and he he caught it way above the glass it oh was, yeah that was really cool um one other what would you say ten
3: how tall is he six nine six, i think 10? he's listed at
0: yeah, and he jumped to a Couldn't solid, <laughs> man, I don't know, he was probably no like 12 hop. feet or something. It was, pretty, um, it was pretty impressive. You know, with his arm. And uh, Anyway, um, me too. Michi Johnson, I'll say, seems like he is healthy again. Um, yes. He's, he, he's looking very explosive. Um, good things happen when he attacks the rim. Uh, sometimes he still takes these, like, I mean, it, it's hard to say that they're crazy outside shots because he knocks down a lot of them too. No, you can no, no. no. That's actually I was texting someone else last night about this. You
1: can call him crazy. He's he's pulling up from the logo at least three or four times a night at this point. Um, But he
0: actually makes at least
1: one. He does, but (laughs) I don't know if that's the offense, Lamont. I don't think Lamont Paris. He doesn't have hair to pull out, but I don't think he would have been happy (laughs) with what he saw in that last. I know I'll give you know we talked about a little bit. We were texting that last possession last night. Michi Johnson makes probably a bad decision and then gets the other chance and makes a really good decision on that pocket pass underneath. It was Hayden Brown at the game, right?
0: Yeah. So the last possession of regulation, which yes. actually we, we didn't really talk about that uh, just now, but if you miss the game, South Carolina was down two with the last possession. Um, and yeah, Michi Johnson fired up a three bad three. Uh, there was it creamed off the glass. Um Chico got it, got it first. Chico Carter also tried a lot. three, got it blocked. Uh, it went back to Michi Johnson with like 1.5 or two. Not seconds enough time to shoot. Yeah. Um, and instead of just like heaving it up because he didn't have a good angle or anything like that, he saw that Hayden Brown had kind of snuck down near the basket and he passed it to him real quick. Hayden Brown made it with 0. 0.3 seconds left to tie it up and send it into overtime. Um, so yeah, like but we we were texting about it last night. Um, just to have the awareness of the clock to know that he has time to make that pass instead of just trying to heave up something terrible at Damn that moment man. or whatever. Um, especially when usually his mindset is a is shooter's mindset. Um for better or worse. Sometimes that works out, sometimes it doesn't. I mean, he scored 18 points last night or something. Like uh he was a crucial part of South Carolina being in that game. Um but certainly sometimes you're like, man, that's that's a wild shot. Um if we go to the women really quick, um, the only thing that I gathered from the void while I was laying and laid up in bed that day, um, was that they were down uh for the first time in a while. Yeah. And that was they were at Georgia, correct? Yes. That so, yeah. was there in Athens. Um thing.
1: and then Zia Cook exploded. I mean that I didn't realize this. You would think. With how successful this program's been, all these years, national titles. They hadn't had a player score 30 points in an SEC game since 2009. And then Zaya Cook goes out and scores 31 against Georgia. Um, and I think kind of your general, we're coming up on the halfway. Well, actually, tomorrow we're gonna cross over halfway on the women's regular season. Um, teams are gonna paint pack. Olivia Boston's too good, Camila Cardoso's too good, Victoria Saxon's too good. The general way teams are gonna play South Carolina, maybe until you get to the tournament at least, and teams can kind of play you straight up. They're going to paint pack. I don't know if you guys saw the photo of it. It's on my Twitter, but of Aaliyah Boston with four defenders around her like this in the paint. Um, we talked to her about that today a little bit. Um, I got some quotes on my Twitter, um, Alan underscore Cole. If y'all don't follow me, um, you got to shoot. You got to hit outside shots. That's kind of what I think is going to, this team's obviously incredibly talented, incredibly deep. They're going to make a tournament run, but you're your cut between winning another national title and falling a little bit short is going to be outside shooting for this team. Just because teams pack the paint so much, they zone you. And, yeah, 2009, it was um, – I think it was Brianna Dickerson, I think is what it was against Ole Miss. I have the number in my article. But, yeah, teams are going to paint. Pack, you got to shoot. And that comes back to Zyac Cook. She's an outside shooter. Uh, Bree Beal hit two threes in that game. We talked to her post game uh, Kiera Fletcher, I've written about her already a couple times this year, but she's kind of got a good mid-range jumper. You got to hit the mid-range jumper. You got to hit some threes. That's kind of what I think. That's where I think it is for this team between now and tournament time. When you're trying to like think about a run, is trying to set those shots up better.
0: Yeah. So um, on GamecocksGroup.com, as we transition into basketball season, we're in the heart of the SEC schedule for both the men and women. Now um, we'll have plenty of preview coverage for each of those games, live coverage for each of those games and review coverage for each of those games. Um, one thing, I, one more thing I'll say about the men's team is they were picked 14th uh, in the SEC preseason at SEC media days. I tend, I'm, I'm gonna go on a limb, we're very early in the, the SEC schedule and all, I think they're going to finish better than that. Um, I don't know if it's going to be much better than that, but I think I don't think they're going to finish dead last. Thanks um, for
3: the support. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, I, I, I think that they've shown that they continue to play hard under Lamont Paris. They certainly have defici- deficiencies, especially with their depth, um, that a lot of these other SEC schools do not. Um, they are probably going to get absolutely walloped at times, perhaps the first time and beat this weekend against Tennessee. Um, but I think against the mid to lower half of the SEC that they can compete and that they're going to win their share of those games. Um, so uh, it'll, it it should still be an interesting season. Plus, you're going to get a highlight or two of Gigi Jackson every single week. So still worth coming out and uh, seeing a future NBA star. Um, also, we'll have plenty of football off-season content. We still have announcements. Uh, incoming for the next couple of weeks, 12 days uh, approximately um, about the NFL draft decisions and all that sort of thing. We have transfer portal um, additions and subtractions and all that fun stuff. We have recruiting news. Um, There's still until early February. So about a month um, left for the 2023 class. We're starting to transition to the 2024 class. There's still two 2024, Uh, welcome homes out there that are yet to be announced that should be announced soon uh one certainly in the next two weeks um so yeah lots of exciting stuff happening go check out gamecockscoop.com and we'll be back here sometime in the next week to continue to talk about it all until next time this has been pauline allen and caleb with the gamecockscoop.com podcast we'll see you